Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Game Pit. I'm Sean and I'm finally in Essen, Ronan. Yes, indeedy. Welcome everyone. This is a battle report live from Spiel 2017 in Essen. We didn't get one out to you last night. To be honest, we didn't play anything, Sean. We've struggled to play games at all, really, this Essen Ronan. It's been a, a diff, different experience. It's been a, a business trip, I'd say, almost. We've been going around, meeting so many people, publishers, designers, we're on a dice tower booth, all that sort of thing. So we have got together six plays to discuss with you that we've managed over the last couple of days. So we thought we'd pop out some sort of an episode. Uh, the play-in is going to be coming in the next couple of weeks, Sean. Yeah, we're going to be going through all the games that we've picked up in Spiel and uh, getting out some of the pit stop videos and looking into them in more depth in the actual podcast. There's a couple of pit stops going out tonight. We only managed to film two in the halls due to, again, the number of appointments we had, but we filmed another one or two and they are out there for Tokyo Highway and Iquazu and Okanagan, which I'm going to talk about in this episode anyway. So if you want more of and these are literally one or two minutes long just to give you an overview of the components what have you uh, head to YouTube and check out our channel because that's where we are Sean should we crack into reviews quick? let's do it Ronan I'm going to start off with a, a very very light little family game it's Sticky Chameleons from Yellow and essentially what you do in this is you're going to roll two dice and they're going to give you the colour and insect and that you're going to have to choose from there's a pile of cardboard insects on the table and you've got these sticky tongues and you're going to be flicking these tongues at the table trying to pick up your insect and it's as simple as that Ronan. That was a full rules explanation. explanation. (laughs) We were the halls were really busy today for a Friday just busier than I think I've ever seen a Friday. Generally, yeah. Generally, Thursday felt like a Friday. Friday felt like a Saturday. <laughs> so God knows what Saturday's going to be like. Oh, we're not going to find out. So that's okay. So it was really hard to get demos in this morning because the place was so busy. But we did see this spare table with sticky comedians on it. We always give it a go. It was, uh, on, it was on my radar, Ronan. Really? I'd, I'd heard that it's a lot of fun and... I think it was. I think we started off. I think you had your <laughs> reservations for There's sure. No thinking about it, I had my reservations. And not only us were laughing while we were playing, but people were actually laughing at us. At our incompetence, we drew uh, a crowd. <laughs> I had one insect to pick up. Ronan and Eleanor left me alone to pick it up. I was still there for about two minutes, just flicking this thing at the floor. People were like, what is he doing? More and more small children gathering and pointing, <laughs> clutching at their mothers. Why can't he get it? It's right there. Uh, it was a load of fun flicking out those tongues. Uh, not a load to it, but I can definitely see kids having a real giggle and a laugh. And, and uh, that's what it's for, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I've picked up a copy to take home. I know my little boy's going to really enjoy it. So, yeah, Sticky Chameleons, I think it's a little hit. Nice. Very cool. good. Cool. Well done. What's yours? I stuck around in the kids' area, Sean, and I got to play Iquazu by Haber, designed by Michael Feldkotter. And the theme of this one is one of the Haber sort of more grown-up, not tiny kids, yellow box games, you know, the ones they've been doing, like Karuba. And you're worshipping at a sacred waterfall in some way, shape or form. And what you're really doing is you're trying to place gems of your colour in various columns. And there's only ever five columns available at once. And in order to place your gems into these columns, you've got to play cards out of your hand. On your turn, you can either draw four cards or play them to place a gem. 
The spots for the gems are one of the three colours of the cards, and how far along the column is, is how many cards it costs. If you want to go into the fourth column along, with an, on an orange spot, you play four orange cards. And once it gets round and everyone's had a go, a bit of water is going to come into the leftmost top space. So the game sort of drives on. What happens is once each column is finished on the left-hand side, it's going to score downwards for majority. So whoever's got the most gems is going to score most points. And then also it triggers an across the row, again, majority thing, where whoever's got the most in each of the rows, five rows, is going to get a bonus tile which they can use at any point to get more cards or more points or an extra turn or to place a gem somewhere. So it works in both ways. It's a nice sort of two-dimensional area majority game. The whole thing is beautiful as well because then the frame slides along and the waterfall co column that's been covering falls off the, the right-hand side and you put it on the left-hand side and you unveil a new set of bonus tiles and the columns score more as you go across to the right as well. So a card-playing, gem-laying, two-way area control game but all nice and simple for a family audience. So, yeah, I didn't play this one because, as Ronan said, we have had some business meetings and things to go and do, so we split up. Uh, I didn't get to play it, but Ronan, what I want to ask you really is, Haber have got sort of two directions they're going at the moment. They, they're going that, that more family audience with slightly deeper games that may interest gamers as well, and they've obviously got their straight-up kids range. Where did this one sit? It has a, some gamerly stuff in there, but I think it's far too light for actual gamers. You know you've got like the simple but clever idea of Karuba that gamers can play. I think what they've done with Iquazu is it's much more an introduction for kids into gaming mechanisms that are used in more complex games. Whereas for a gamer, they're just going to be straight up too light. So what age of child do you think should be playing this or looking to play? It's always hard, isn't it? Because everyone's kids are genius. <laughs> so for my kids, two months. <laughs> In my head, I think maybe seven or eight upwards. Okay. Um, but you know, once you get to 12, probably it's going to be too light for them. Hmm. Something I'm going to keep in mind, because you've said that it's that introduction. So definitely when my boy gets to that age, I think I'm definitely going to be looking for games like that to bring him into the fold slowly. It's, it's one of the things also I was thinking about is um, Dan Hughes has been talking about in a video series how he put off his kids from playing games for one of them because he played too many games, he said very recently. And it's one of those games I think that a kid could play again and again and again. And then when they saw those mechanisms in other games, it would help them familiarise, come through like that. And Dan, I did exactly the same thing, I think, just driving game after game, different games with my kids, when they just want to play one or two. Uh, same. I can see Iquazu getting played to death by kids. Yeah, we won't mention Magic Maze. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you forced your How many children. times? How many times are you going to mention it? I've said sorry. Ellie, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the expansion's going to get reviewed soon, by the way. I'm going to make them play it again. Oh, dear. It's got a beholder in it. A beholder! I'll, I'll let you off good about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, you haven't mentioned my badge yet either. He's good. Oh, he's, good. <laughs> he's managed to get a badge that is basically signifies that moment when you're tapping the little dobber when somebody has something to do. That really annoys you. Do something! Tap, 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 tap. I know! <laughs> it's my favourite badge. Anyway. Okay. So moving on. This is a game we actually previewed. Yeah, and we both said it was a treasure, Ronan. It's Kalimala from ADC Blackfire. And 
I won't go too much into the rules because we did mention it in quite some depth in our preview shows, but... We're probably going to review it again. We're going to do a proper review later on, so, definitely. It's, basically, it's all about this unique action selection where you're gaining and supplying materials to locations and there's a sort of area control scoring going on in, in the background. But, Ronan, i got to stay from the start that I think we were right to give this one a treasure. We'll check you out. I thoroughly enjoyed our play of it. And the things that that made it step out from the crowd for me, number one, was that you all, you're always interested in what everyone else does because they can follow you on those actions. Yeah, it was that. And then the fact that there's so many majorities that everywhere they go affects where you want to go because we played four-player and the first three players everywhere score some points. So almost every cube's important mm. because even when someone having one or two somewhere, you think, hold on, there's no one in there. Just one cube in there is going to grab me a point. And it turned out for the other three players, not me, to be quite a tight <laughs> game as well, where one or two cubes here there made a difference. But it didn't make like a random feeling yeah. difference. It felt like you were in control. So you were following the actions, following the cubes. You were always engaged, and it was quicker than we thought it might be. Way quicker, yeah. It really accelerated towards the end, didn't it? Yeah, so under 90 minutes, four players. Absolutely. With, yeah. We kind of knew the rules. But we had an inkling, but we weren't, yeah. Went through the rule book again, so it, was, you know, it wasn't completely smooth to start. Yeah, and what I also noticed, that there were different routes to where people got, like, as Ronan said, three of us were very tight. But we we all kind of took different paths where Eleanor scored within the game itself and she was concentrating on getting those points on the board and we had to sort of play catch up. Puri was chaining things together and I was just going for separate areas where I thought end of game scoring might be. So it was interesting that we, we both played it in slightly different ways. All three of us played it in slightly different ways but we still came quite close at the end. I can't add anything to that. <laughs> got nothing to say. You look like you're all playing very well from the back. And I think that's another interesting element is that you've got to watch what everyone's doing because you've got to try to decipher what they're in the game scoring. Yeah, you've got well. some opening and scoring and mostly hidden. But, but it's not that hidden. Yeah, it's kind of, okay, you're piling into Hamburg, Sean. I wonder what your card says. <laughs> <laughs> and the in-game scoring cards are slightly more than the in-game scoring. Yeah, it, all, it went together really well. I think we're, we're probably going on even too long because yeah, we're going to talk about it again when we're pissed off about really, the rest yeah. of it. We're going to review this later, but that was great. Kalimala. Great first impression, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah very Kalimala, good. Kalimala, that is from ADC Blackfire. Okay, the fourth game is Okanagan, Valley of the Lakes, designed by Emmanuel Orne and Matago Games. It's a tile layer in which the tiles have got four different terrains on them. They look like walnut grove tiles, so they might cover two or three or four sides or what have you. You might have all four terrains. And when you're putting them down, you have to match the terrains up. And within the terrain also, there are various resources. There are three different levels of resource in there. And when you lay a tile, you're going to lay one of your buildings on there as well. And the buildings come in three different types and they have three strengths, one, two or three because there's an area control thing going on. But they also, your level one will help out with all the terrain that's visible in that tile. So whenever they get resolved, you'll have one strength added to them. The long one, the level two one, goes on a border and will help with a maximum of two terrains. 
but the level three one, the house, will help you with only one terrain, but it's level three, it's the strongest one. And, and when a terrain gets completely finished off, like a city in Carcassonne, because every tile layer you have to refer to Carcassonne once, <laughs> it's in the rules. <laughs> once it gets closed off, you then compare everyone's strengths in that bit of terrain, and the strongest is able to claim resources equal to whatever their strength is, and take them and... and but anyone who's lost gets to draw the top tile from one of the three tile piles you can draw from. And they all have different actions on the back and some sort of bonus that lets you either nick resources from other people or there are gold cards and whereas most of them score some points at the end of the game or swap resources around. So you get like a bonus of being the loser but a rake of resources for being the winner. And that might sound interesting. The reason you're collecting all the resources is because you get dealt five contracts at the beginning of the game. You keep three of them. You go halfway through and everyone's used more than half their buildings. You draw another two and you keep three out of those five. And you can score contracts multiple times. So I have a contract that, say, scored for three miners. If I had nine miners, it would score three times. So that's what all the points growing is. And it looks really pretty. And that kind of, you think of it, you think, that's a tile there, it's got a bit of brains going on. This could be a hit. But it was a miss. It was a miss. And I'll, just from your explanation, again, this is one I missed at the show I, I looked at it a few times because it kind of drew me in with the pretty look yeah 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 and uh, someone recommended it during the show as well they came up when we were on the booth yes. and they said oh it's a really good game I had loads of fun with it and I was like oh great we'll go and check it out what I wanted to ask you really you've mentioned a lot of different things happening but I'm looking for the tie the connection between them did it feel this, all these different are you using things? the T word the T word theme <laughs> just theme but just even the mechanisms stepping on each other so using each other as a stepping stone or, did the, or were they separate entities? shaking my head doesn't podcast well. no it doesn't podcast yeah. that well I'm going to have to get someone to come in Ronan is shaking his head no <laughs> it didn't tie together and that was part of it you always got a little bit worried playing the convention because you don't get that proper introduction to a game so you might not always be fully engaged with it from the off but I never engaged with it and I never really understood why we were doing what we were doing what the whole point was, these contracts, uh, you draw five and keep three, but they were wildly varied. And if you weren't putting, say you had forests, right, and you needed the, the lumberjacks who work in the forest, but every forest hole you were getting only had the wood on it, well, that's no good to you because you need lumberjacks to score. And you had very little control over that. And it just, uh, the whole thing felt a bit like I didn't have much control. It was very easy to snipe in on each other. Sometimes the actions coming second was better than getting the things from the actual terrain and it, it lost me Sean it really did and I can see a lot of people picking it up because it looks so good and it kind of sounds good in theory but but O'Callaghan did not work in practice for me mate okay that's a pity it was, it was a definite try before you buy for me so I'm going to use you as my guinea pig road uh, I have been used and thrown away <laughs> so don't buy okay so my last game for this episode is Pipework from Gembolo and essentially what you're going to do in Pipework is you're going to be connecting three pairs of coloured tiles on a 5x5 five five grid and you've each got your own one of these and you've got to do this without overlapping so the blue needs to collect to the blue and not, not mess around with the green collecting to the green etc pretty much it Ronan it, it wasn't a hit for me but I tend to find those with my big shovel hands. I tend to find games like those just too fiddly, getting the little pieces of pipe into the exact slot in the exact rotation that you need it. I think I 
feel like I'm at a disadvantage. Fair enough, whereas I've got tiny hands. Tiny little hands. So <laughs> yeah, it's a speed puzzle, and you've all got your own slightly different puzzle, and you just it's a race, so you can do it first. And you're not a big fan of real-time games to start with, are you? Yeah, but it wasn't, there wasn't so much that element. I get the, the race element there. And what I will say for it, Ronan, is it looks very pleasing to the eye. Was you, it pleasing to yeah, you? Yeah, I like those, those sort of clear, coloured pipe pieces, and they look, actually look like pieces of pipe. I liked it. I liked it's the not look just of a it clever name. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the look of it on the table, Ronan. But yeah, just a bit too fiddly for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We we sat down and myself and Eddie were really we got into it immediately and started racing each other. A bit of familial rivalry going on. <laughs> I could tell Shaw was struggling a bit more with his massive hands. And then we played it again on sort of a harder level, and it was a little bit of a think. And you, okay, great, but the puzzle's not hard enough for me to come back the game was done in under 60 seconds yeah you went up to level 3 or 4 yeah and we were done yeah pretty quickly so it wasn't a massive challenge so a nice idea again I don't know these sort of ideas do they work for kids because one kid's going to win and the others will be upset Mm. and has it got enough variety? Are they doing enough fun things yeah. for it to work for kids? You know what I mean? I think we were talking to Poria over dinner, and he mentioned that it sounded like a, like an iPod game. Or yeah, an like iPad an iPad game. Yeah, one of those games you pick up, you play it for a minute, yeah. and then it's done, and you forget about it. I think maybe a, a few like game really elements thrown into it make it more interesting, but it, it's fine for what it is. It was. I was fully diverted for the four minutes it took us to play two games. <laughs> so it was, you know, why not? Sure. Cool. That was pipe work. Okay, and the last one is another game that we did in our treasure hunt, and it was bronze, and it caused some uh, disagreement in the Yeah, I refused to play it. Awful looking. <laughs> it's not awful looking. It doesn't look nice. Yeah. It's horrible well, You're stealing looking. one of my last notes here. Not as bad looking as it appeared or Sean made no, it No, 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 no. Not having that. Right. Be quiet, you. Konstantin <laughs> Domashev and Arby World. It's that game where you're trying to build settlements on various terrains going across a board and the length of the board depends upon the number of players. And when you... F- it's in columns that flip over and as you spread across the columns of flavor show you what settlements you can build when everyone's moved on from the left-handmost column, it's going to score for majority, you score points that way. But the first person to push forward into a column is going to get first choice of city endgame scoring cards. And every time you play settlement cards, you're taking a, what's called a technology card and you're putting it into a grid and that can trigger cards either side of it. And if it's got same cards of the same type in the same column, it can trigger all of those. You can lay way more than one house at a time. And... It did pretty much what I thought it was going to do. It was quite a quick play. It was certainly a quick learn. It did look better than Sean uh, thought it no. was. Um, I wasn't sure about it at a four-player. That's the one thing. There were a lot of ties. A lot of the columns end up... If it's a tie for a column, then no one scores any points. And that happened in almost a half of all the places we played in. Right. So that meant that four-player anyway, getting first to first choice of city cards felt important but as with all in-game scoring cards if you're only seeing them halfway through or later on in a game you couldn't really plan for them so sometimes they'd fall on your lap and sometimes they wouldn't okay so Ronan we had a little bit of chat about this one once we decided that I was right and it was ugly it's not ugly (laughs) and you said to my question how did you find it was that it was it was fine it was good enjoyed it but not not a keeper why is it not a keeper? 
Well, one of the reasons is that we did all, almost all our packing last night, and we shipped up. We shipped some games off this morning, and it's for a game to get in today into like my last couple of bags. I mean, to carry it around across because we're visiting Brussels and Iowa and stuff. It has to be really good, yeah. and it wasn't really good, and I wasn't completely unconditional in my praise for it. I enjoyed the game. I'd really like to try it three player. I felt like it would be better there. That wasn't an agreement around the whole table, but there you go. But it didn't completely blow me away. So it's one of those games, I think, if I'd managed to get a get-up game in Wednesday, I probably would have bought it. But by this stage, you kind of, as much as we might have played them games, we've looked at a lot of games, been shown a lot of games, been talked through a lot of rule books, and you do start getting a bit, I don't want to say jaded, because having an amazing time, but it's slightly harder to really wow me after three days of looking at games than it was Wednesday when I first got uh, here. Did any of that theme come through at all? I know we said it didn't feel like it was going to. Jeez. Not in so much, but it, it did feel like you were spreading out and did definitely a lot of interaction. And it did feel like you were fighting for room with each other. Mm-hmm. It did matter what technology other people took because some of the city scoring cards are like majorities for technology. Some of them are majorities for being on a certain terrain. So the bottom terrain is C, for example. And if someone's attempted to build a lot on the C, you can kind of guess, oh, they must have the in-game scoring card for that. So it, was, it did feel like a battle between tribes in that way. But in terms of... Actually, did I feel like I was building up, you know bits of were the technology were they thematic I feel like I was building up bits of civilization. not so much okay I don't know if that made sense it didn't tell the story of my own civilization. it told the story of a struggle between civilizations. okay okay so there you go so bronze was good but not fantastic Sean okay well that's that's everything for today and as Ronnie said at the top of the show, we will be looking to come back with plenty of reviews from all the games we've picked up over at Essen. There are going to be plenty of pit stops coming up in the very near future. And we're off to Eastbourne running in the near future to get some more games played. We are. Third weekend of November will be in Eastbourne. You can still get tickets. Meetup.com slash London. Meetup.com slash London on board. Uh, £10 a ticket for the whole weekend. Couldn't ask for better and the next big con after that will be Aircon in March. Absolutely, we've already booked our accommodation, so we are definitely going. Have you booked one or four rooms? What? <laughs> <laughs> I may have done a slight faux pas with my hotel booking for Essen. I booked literally just after the last Essen, and I managed to book three rooms, of which I forgot about, and then booked another room later on in the <laughs> earlier on in this year. You like to spread out. You need a shoe room, you need a tie room. As you said, I was kind of like Michael Jackson booking a whole floor of a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is descending, spiralling into spiel nonsense now. Thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Thank you, Ronan. Thank you, Sean. And as always, we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there for gaming goodness galore. And email us on thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. And we are also... Board Game Geek with our guild, so thank you very much for listening. Music by E. Aaron.
Bye. 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 Bye.